fascinating, interesting debate show is live in the huddle. I mean, everything is copacetic, but it's pathetic, the sports that we saw over the weekend. And we're going to talk about it detail after detail. But first things first, let's start off in the NBA. There's a finals going on. Little had you know, the Warriors route the Celtics in game two to even out the NBA Finals at one apiece. What happened to the Celtics? And we got our resident Celtics fan, right? Yep, resident Celtics fan here on the show. Dino, what happened to the Seas last night? You know, it was a tough one. Um, you know, in the first quarter and the second quarter, we had uh, some decent leads. They grew up by like five and seven at one point. But we just couldn't keep the lead. We kept letting the Warriors crawl back in. You know, every time we would uh, get a decent lead, they would always just start hitting their shots, and then they'd go on a run, and we wouldn't be able to make anything for two or three minutes. So we kept letting them crawl back in, especially uh, by halftime. Uh, the third quarter meltdown was definitely not ideal. Uh, I think we had, like, 14 points in the third quarter, and they had 35. And uh, once Jordan Poole hit that half-court shot the third quarter, I was like, I was at a restaurant. I was like, I want my tab. I'm out. <laughs> this shit's over. Um, but other than that, uh, I think a lot of it was we took a lot of dumb shots and we turned the ball over a significant amount. I think we turned the ball over like it was I think it was around like 20 times. Um, and that's part of the reason why we couldn't sustain the lead because we kept turning the ball over and they had like uh, uh, I think it was like 25 some points off the turnover. It's like, man, like we're just giving points away at that point. Uh, we got to be better with the ball, and we got to take better shots, and we also got to get into the paint better. There should be no reason why the Warriors are getting more points in the paint than we are because we have a size advantage with our wings and with our guards and with our bigs. Uh, I think about Kevon Looney and Al Horford about the same, but I believe we, we have an advantage, and I think we got to attack the paint more and score more in the paint and draw more fouls. Yeah, I mean, before my guy Zay get in here, I'm going to keep this simple. I think when you look at what happened to the Celtics, I can tell you a whole lot of things that happened to the Celtics last night. Let's start off with this. I thought that the Celtics brought out the firepower in game one in the fourth quarter. But in this game, Draymond Green brought out the psychological warfare, you know, getting into guys' grills, you know, bringing that intensity. He had a bad game in game one. Let's be real here. The guy wasn't closing out on shots. He allowed to have a bad performance. He allowed himself to have a bad performance. He went on his podcast, but guess what? Game two, he took notice and he used that psychological warfare, getting guys out of their groove. Jalen Brown, I believe he had 13 points in the first quarter. He got in his grill, got him frustrated. And that set the tone defensively for the Warriors. And it made guys like Jalen Brown get into early foul trouble. Because guess what? Now you're in foul trouble. You're on that bench. Now you cold. And now you ain't cooking up as you was before. And that was the key right there. And it all started with Draymond Green. And I think for Draymond Green going forward, he can make himself be a, a bigger asset, even more so if he knocks down shots that he's going to be left open with. When you think about Draymond Green, they'll leave, they'll leave him at the three-point line. And if you take him and make a couple, then they will have to respect him. So I think if Draymond Green, along with that defense mentality that he brings and, and offensively, defensively, being that anchor of this team, once he start making shots, if he does, which I doubt, but if you make a couple, then he's going to be even more dangerous. And I think if you're the Celtics, you'll live with Draymond Green having a vintage game seven performance like he did against the Cavs, and I'll live with that. But I think when you also look at the third quarter, and that does it for me, that's the Warriors' go-to round. And if you're the Celtics, 
you got to take notice. And they didn't take notice. When you look at the stats, these cats were outscored 38 to 24 in the third quarter of game one. Okay. But they offset that with a 40 to 16 run of their own in a fourth quarter. I right, cool. We survived that third quarter because we had a hell of a fourth quarter that was one for the Bucks. And it was easier than it looked because they couldn't do it again here after a 35 to 14 margin in the third quarter in this game with the kill shot from Jordan Poole from half court. I mean, if the Celtics want to win this series, they have to be better in the third quarter and they cannot be going down at halftime because if you're going to play like this in the third quarter, then the game is going to be blown wide open and you don't want that to happen. So those are the little nuances that I saw with Wong for the Boston Celtics. I passed the mic to my co-host, Talk to me. You know, I, I don't like that I'm right in this instance because I said last game, when the Celtics won, that Jason Tatum did not need to score 28, 30 points to win this this game, to win games. He needs to set up his team. His team needs to be able to score points and get his guys open. We saw Jason Tatum have a great game, 8 for 19, 6 of 9 from the 3. In the second, third quarter, he has 7 points, 1 from 2 from the field, and has 6 free throw shot uh, attempts in that third quarter. His team cannot get it going. Jalen Brown disappeared once again, 15 in the first half, 2 points in the second half. This is my worry about this guy. This guy, for whatever reason, has a Houdini act when it's an important game. You have to steal these games at home. You had a very tough first half. Yeah, you had, I think it was 50 to 48, I believe. That's how the, end, the first half ended. And you had them in your grasp. All you had to do was have a great third quarter because you need to get your role players flowing. You need to have guys moving the ball and getting the right shooters open. Grant Williams only had two shots the entire game. This guy who needs to be reliable. There's a guy you need to have shooting on the outside. Marcus Smart, one for six, 0 for three from the three-point line. Terrible. Al Horford didn't attempt a three all game. A guy who had 21 game one only had four points in game two. A guy who couldn't get it going in perimeter, which worked in game one during that crazy fourth quarter run that they had. Um, D- Derek White, he took 13 shots. So that's fantastic. He had 12 points. But he has to. He did what he needs to do. The other guys need to step up and score. I told you, the X factor of this team is the role players. What are they going to do to win the game? Grant Williams, Derek White, Marcus Smart, Hallford. I'm putting Brown in that conversation too now because he's disappearing on Tatum. Tatum is out there bowling. Where is everyone else? I'm calling Brown a, jo- a role player right now because he can't be a star playing like that. Star, he cannot be a star playing like that and disappearing in the second half. This is not the one-time instance where he disappears in the second half. He's been doing it the entire season where he is just not in the flow of the game. He's not making shots. He's not taking shots. He's not defending well. He's not doing anything on the court. He had a great game one. That's fantastic. But in the majority of this playoffs, he disappears in the second half of the game. I do not understand what Jalen Brown has been doing this entire playoffs, and I don't understand what he's doing in this finals game. He did it a couple years ago, too, in game seven against um, LeBron James and the Cavs. When the Celtics should have won that game, they should have um, passed the Cavs to go to the finals, but Jalen Brown, Terrell Zare, and a bevy of other guys disappeared on Tatum, who was having a fantastic game. Tatum right now had a fantastic game in game two, and they disappeared on him once again. If Tatum needs to be the playmaker, the facilitator to get this team going so they can win games, then that's maybe what he needs to do. He can't be getting 30 points, 32-point games, and they're losing the lead. Um, They're losing, I'm not losing the lead. They're losing games by 20 or more points because this team can't get it going by themselves. Tatum cannot be the primary scorer and the primary playmaker. If facilitating is what's going to help this team win games, then I would like to see Jason Tatum the playmaker because him being the scorer is getting his team um, getting his team ass kicked by 20 points. I disagree with Zay here, and I've been itching to get on this mic right here. 
Look, I think if you're Jalen Brown, you can't disrespect that guy because clearly he's been leading the league in four quarter points in the playoffs. So that's very valuable. If it wasn't for Jalen Brown, they would have been down 0-2. Let's keep it real. He came in that four quarter. He had five assists or three assists in that four quarter alone, and he scored the most points and set the tone in that game um, one where Tatum was struggling offensively. Yeah, I know he had the 13 assists, but if it wasn't for Jalen Brown's um, scoring paralysis, okay, then they would have lost that game and they would have been down on two. Not to mention that Tatum left a bomb in game three of the Miami series where Jalen Brown had a historical feat going 18 of 18. So Jalen Brown has been holding weight. The problem is, is the inconsistency from this whole team in general. One can't get hot and the other one not. They both got to get hot and learn how to get hot together. That's the main issue here. So we can't pick and choose who we want to take out of this equation and put him on a hot seat. We got to do it fairly by the books. Tatum has been inconsistent at times as a scorer. Yeah, I know he's excelled as a playmaker, but we don't pay you. You're not first NBA team because of that. You're first NBA team because you're a gifted scorer that can have it any way you want it. And he needs to go out there and get it. And not to mention, 21 points in the first half is cool, but finishing the game with 28 points ain't cool either. So I think overall, as a team collective, when you look at Al Horford, one for four, what the hell is this? I know he's not going to give me 26 points a game on a nightly basis. I know that. I can live with that. But one for four, two points, you must be smoking that ganja out there in the form. Okay, come on. They got to play better. And I think they will play better because Lil Shadama said on this mic on the last show that both of these teams are great at getting punched in the mouth. They're the best two teams at getting punched in the mouth. The Celtics punched them in the mouth game one. The Warriors came back, punched them in the mouth game two. And I'm expecting the Celtics to do the same in game three. Mike, real quick, you know, you guys really both had good takes. Um, with Zay, I agree with him on a lot of stuff in terms of, you know, smart, Horford, uh, Grant Williams, you know, they got to step it up and they got to start making more shots. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, it was halftime, and I was like, I don't think Al Horford has a point. And he had zero. He didn't even have a shot attempt. It's like, they, they got to be doing more to step up because in that game seven against Cleveland, we should have beat them at home. But uh, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier, I think either combined or one of them went like 0 for 10 from the field, uh, from three. And he combined like, for 0 for 23, to be honest. Yeah, they both didn't score. Yeah, it was something like that. And I think they both went like 0 for 10 or 0 for 11. And it was like, man, you know, if they hit three of those shots, we're going to the finals. So like, they got us to be able to step it up. And Jalen Brown, you know, I've grown to like JB over the years, but my old, my issue with him is his consistency. I just, I wonder sometimes, is, is he uh, the real guy to be the number two to Tatum because of instances like this? Like last night, first quarter, he has like nine or 11 points. And then he goes silent in the second half. You know, I've seen it time and time again before where I'm just like, he's great and he's good, but he's got to he's got to be more consistent with his shot making and his decision making too. Like he just, he turns the ball over sometimes. I'm like, dude, like, what is that? Like, that's just not even a good pass. You got to get rid of that ball better. And when I see that, I'm like, you know, should we have traded him for Kawhi? But I get a little over my head with that one. But um, I do believe that Jason Tatum has to be a true scorer, like you said, Leo. Because he's here to score the ball. He's a natural uh, scorer. So it's like Jason Tatum's got to be taking and making those shots. But he also, I feel like they got to run the offense through him more. He can't just be the guy taking shots. He's also got to be facilitating because when he's not facilitating, it's like the other guys can't get in the game. So I feel like you guys both have good points in that, um, those takes.
Real quick, you know, I think um, when, we, when I watched the game, and uh, what Lil said earlier in his first take, what Jamal Green was able to do, get into the guy's head. And that's one thing that's an, that not an issue. It's one thing about growing pains. We'll have a young player, a young team, and being in this particular spot where it's high pressure every single game, um, Draymond knows how to get under your skin. He knows how to really move around the court without getting those fouls called, called on him, those technicals, those certain flagrants, um, you know, during those finals. You know, we all know he's an antagonist. We all know what kind of pressure he puts on any team on a daily night, not because of his performance, but because of his physicality, what he says to the, to, to the players on the court and how he really gets into your head and does these little knick-knack kind of um, aggressive moves where the refs are not calling it, and you're looking around like, well, how the heck you don't call that? Yeah, I think one of the biggest elephants in this room that nobody brought up yet, maybe I missed it, is the turnovers from the Boston Celtics. That was literally the key here. When you go to it, they were 0-5. Right, this year, they were 0-5 in the playoffs when they turned the ball over 16 times. And they are 13-2 and when they commit 15 or fewer turnovers. That's a stat for thought right there. And the Warriors are a team where they are so good in transition. If you continue to turn the ball over, then they're going to score in transition. And they will rather score in transition than scoring in the half court with this suffocating Celtics defense. So uh, they got to protect the ball. They got to do a better job of that. And that's fundamentally sound. Look, I don't want to take anything away from the Warriors. They defended. Credit to Steph Curry, who's really took tremendous strides on that side of the ball defensively and not allowing Tatum and Brown to have it their way inside the paint area and drive through those open lanes. But still, I thought the turnovers were ill-advised. It was self-oriented and it was just boneheaded. And I think if you're the Celtics, you need to take care of the basketball. Treat that basketball like it's your newborn baby and make sure that you don't turn that ball over because the Warriors are a team, multitude of ways they can score the basketball and put that ball through the hoop. And the last thing you want to do is make it easy for them. You're not going to outscore the Warriors. Congratulations, you did so in game one where you outshot the Warriors. But that's not what you're going to do. I know the Warriors don't have as much help around Curry, but for some reason, they are leading the league in uh, points per game in the playoffs. So um, you're not going to outscore them. But you don't need to. You don't need to play their game. You need to play your game, make the shots contested, and force them into some ill-advised turnovers because that's their Achilles heel too. And you can dictate the game and make it a sluggish, low-scoring game that you can edge out. And let's see if they do. Uh, you know, last take, real last take, I think I'm um, done here. But uh, the Warriors did something really well in that second half, and I was adjust. You know, they saw what the first half was happening. They saw Tatum go for 21. They saw Brown go for 15. And they saw everyone else kind of playing back. A sense of let them take over the game and let them thrive, and they'll, they'll find us in that second half. I think during that third quarter, we saw a lot of uh, allowing uh, Tatum to kind of take over the game in a sense where he was getting fouled a lot. He was kind of taking control, trying to drive into the paint and trying to go off in that sense that he had in that first half and the Warriors wasn't having it. Um, you know, and then when that wasn't working, he tried to find, uh, you know, Brown. He tried to find um, Smart. He tried to find all these different players that really weren't working well. I think JB from the second quarter and third quarter, he was one for 11. You know, he didn't have a good second, third quarter. And then Tatum itself, himself, after that 21-point first half, that second, that, that third quarter, even though he only took two shot attempts, you know, they, they weren't in cohesion. They weren't in the flow of the game. It was just kind of him getting fouled a lot, him getting, you know, because the Warriors were being a little over-aggressive with Tatum to get him off his groove, to get him off his game. And when we saw, I saw it like a microcosm of the Celtics not really being able to adjust in that second half to the Warriors. And we've seen the Warriors just kind of playing their, championship style basketball 
in a sense of we're going to get our shooters open no no matter what it means no matter if it means we're going to do like a moving violation that's not going to get called or we're going to have a couple offensive fouls but we're going to make sure our shooters are finding rhythm so then when we do get a set offense going they're going to have the shots flowing i think that's one thing the warriors are doing sneakily where i think the Celtics kind of overlook like oh damn they're, they're moving they you know they're causing offensive fouls and all this other stuff but the shooters are still hot they're still, still in the groove of the game because they're finding they're finding the going the ball going through the net um dino last point here I want to actually lob this as a question and um, say, feel free to chime in too. that play with Jalen Brown and Draymond Green, right? Where Draymond Green looked like he was potentially going to get his second technical resulting in an ejection from the game. They obviously didn't call it. My theory is that they looked at the moment. They looked at this was the finals and they didn't want to make a critical, you know, uh, I won't say a mistake because you could have called that, but they didn't want to make that critical move. That would have shaped the outlook of that game by ejecting Draymond Green because of a second tech. And they knew he had the first one already. Do you think that regardless of the situation and the matter and the stage that this game was played on, that he still should have got that second technical resulting in him being ejected from the game? Man, it's a tough one. I'm trying to give you the least biased answer I can. Um, I feel like in the most objective way possible. Um, if you look at it in a regular season game, I think it's a double tech. I think they're both getting teed up, and I think Draymond gets thrown out because of it. I think because it was the NBA Finals, they were like they went into the monitor and they were like, "Nah, it, it's a no call, just uh, foul on on Green." And I was like, "Okay." I was like, "I feel like because of the moment and because of the game, and you know the magnitude of the game." I'm not trying to sound all ref here, but. You know, they didn't want to throw Draymond out. Warriors already down 1-0. Um, so it's like, if it was a regular season game, I think they're both getting teed up, and I think Draymond gets thrown out. But because of the finals, they can get teed up. I think I would agree with Dino. I think, like, that's, um you know, during the playoffs and the finals, you have to let things, not let things slide, but if it's not escalating into a fight or, like, them putting hands on each other, you, you let the you let the play go on. Like, all right, guys, let's, let's separate it. Because it's, like, it's more of a, yeah, yeah, playing for the for the last game. Yeah, playing for the chip at this point. And as long as hands are not being flown and uh, thrown, excuse me, and yeah, yeah, not physically harming each other, nothing like that, or pushing each other. Like I think it's a play. It's it's all right, fine. Like just keep it going, y'all. And I think that's a great call about the refs. I think allowing them to play to uh, to the aggressive point where they're not fighting each other and stuff, and you see that it's not going to escalate to a fight. Then let them keep going. I think that's the best. I think that's the best thing the refs have done this entire playoffs. Allowing players to. You know, voice their opinions and stuff, and let them let them talk, whatever. And then, but it's all basketball at the end of the day. It's not a oh they're about to fight or he's disrespecting this and the third outside of basketball. It's all trash talk. You know, we all played a game. Of, we we all play a game of basketball in one way or another. We all know competition. You let them play on and go and go on. I mean, look, would I have gave Draymond Green a second tech if I was in that position? No, I'm gonna just keep it real because of that magnitude of the finals, and plus, I'm not a softy. I'm from Brooklyn, bro. I'm not a softy. You won't catch me out here being soft. But anyway, I would say to counter that, I seen Draymond Green in the playoffs get ejected for much less, should I say, than that. When you look at the LeBron James situation, okay, when um Draymond Green, or should I say LeBron James had his sack on his head and he got up, he got ejected for that, resulting in a suspension that was pivotal. And that three to one debacle that was the Warriors that allowed the Cavaliers to not act so cavalier and win a daggone finals. 
also against the Grizzlies. We don't got to go too far now. We can just go back a couple weeks. Rewind the tape, bro. The Grizzlies, game one, he got ejected, okay, in a game one situation that was back and forth that could have resulted in an L, but the Warriors are the Warriors. They was able to rebound from that and win that game, but I seen him get ejected for worse and get that technical for wor much worse thing. So I don't know. I just say, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to go. We'll be back after these brief messages. Ladies and gentlemen, I know y'all not getting tired of watching In The Huddle over and over again. So like and subscribe to the channel and receive these new notifications of new uploaded content that will be coming your way. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy the rest of your day. I'm out. Peace.